This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hello, everyone. My name is Aaron Captain, Chief Economist of the Investment Bank. We've just published our 2023-24 Global Economic and Market Outlook. Now, one of the big themes, of course, is inflation. To discuss that, I have with me Alan Deppmeister, our resident expert on inflation. So, Alan, welcome. Um, we've got about 300 basis points of reduction in global inflation next year, about 200 basis points in core. Those are actually averages. So if you look at you know, how much disinflation we have by the end of the year, it's about 500 basis points. And yet, you know, when I have client conversations or certainly when you read the, the media, um, there seems to be this concern that something has structurally changed, that the landing zone for inflation is going to be different um, after this pandemic than what it was before the pandemic. And so what do you make of that and where are these concerns coming from? Yeah, I've heard that from a number of clients. They, they have a number of different concerns and trends that might lead to higher inflation. And the arguments vary from client to client, but they really center on higher costs from decarbonization, a reduced globalization or shorter supply chains, an aging population, also ideas of some sort of wage to price spiral. I think each of these arguments has some grain of truth to them but I think they can be blown out of proportion. They probably qualitatively, um, quantitatively are not very large. Okay, so let's maybe take some of those in, in turn. So starting with ESG, I think the estimate is that if you want to you know, keep global warming to two degrees, you need to reduce um, carbon emission by about 25%. So if we were to do that, how much would that add to inflation? Yeah, so the IMF looked at this recently in their most recent World Economic um, Outlook. And they found that a 25% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions by 2030 would have really only small inflation effects, at least initially. And those gradually rise to only around 20 basis points per year by 2030. They do note, however, that ultimately the effects on inflation depend on very specific plan details and very uncertain market responses. Additionally, the, the 25% that you mentioned that is needed to keep that uh, two degree rise is more than what has been agreed to by governments. With what is currently in place, the effects of decarbonization on inflation, it's likely to be much lower over the next few years, though then the long-term implications are much less benign. Okay, so let's turn to the, the second one. So you mentioned deglobalization. Um, now we have a tracker actually, I think that um, monitors sort of the, the reshoring or onshoring announcements by companies and that, that has been going up. So is this something that you think could meaningfully add to inflation? I think it's possible. Shortening supply chains and reduced globalization can drive up costs and increase prices. But overall, it's probably not likely to be very big. Now, estimates of the contribution of globalization to holding down the price inflation are pretty small, something on the order of 16 basis points per year. And when you look at the time series, most of the globalization in, has actually occurred after inflation was already slowed in developed markets. I mean, since the mid 1980s in developed markets, increases in the trade share have been correlated with higher inflation, not with lower inflation. That's, however, likely due to the large share of energy commodities that are imported. So higher energy commodity costs, 
lead to higher trade shares. Now, further on a cross-border trade basis, that's not the only form of competition. Right now, we're seeing more competition from rising online penetration. That means each individual consumer can choose from an increasing number of suppliers. Now, that makes firms very unlikely to be to lock themselves into significantly higher production structures because they'd lose market share. And then I guess the third one um, to talk about is population aging. So as we age, I guess we have less workers, we have more consumers. Maybe you could argue that um, as the labor force shrinks, they have more bargaining power. So maybe wages go up. What do you make of those? Yeah, that's true. Um, but empirically, there's, there's very little correlation between the dependency ratio as inflation, as we show in the global outlook. Intuitively, the elderly spend much more on goods for which prices tend to be administered, such as healthcare. And additionally, population aging is usually accompanied with strong, uh, lower population growth. And that lower population growth puts less upward pressure on durable goods production, like such as housing, and can lower the price increases in those areas. So overall, the slowing demand that we see from population aging probably will outweigh the reduced supply from fewer workers. And so then the, the final one we haven't discussed, I guess, is the wage price spiral. Now, maybe that's not sort of a, a medium structural term one, but certainly one that's maybe relevant for the next couple of years. So the notion that if we have, you know, labor markets are very strong, if they stay that way, then wage growth is going to be higher than it was in the past. Um, doesn't that sort of create a higher landing zone for inflation? Certainly possible. I mean, a more activist labor force, one that's more willing to switch jobs or leave the labor force entirely, that should lead to higher wage growth, tighter labor markets overall. But that doesn't necessarily mean a large increase in, in price inflation. Now, when we looked at this in the past, we've generally found that there's fairly low pass-through from wage inflation to price inflation. And even if wage growth increases, a workforce is more willing to switch jobs than to stay with the same employer or just quit. They, they're likely to lead to later, better employer-employee matches. That should lead to higher productivity. And depending on the amount of workforce that leaves, that's possibly less income and lower consumption. So on net, while there might be a little bit of impact there, it's really not clear how large an effect that a labor force that was more willing to leave their current employer would have an inflation on the long run. Ultimately, really what we feel with all of these is that the long run trend in inflation, say inflation over the next five to 10 years, that's really controlled by the central bank. And so inflation really should only be moving structurally higher if and only if central banks are willing to let it move higher. And so basically to sum up, you're saying you know, all of these things have a, a core of truth. So you're gonna get maybe a little bit from ESG, a little bit from reshoring and deglobalization. Maybe it's not even clear whether population age, aging is a net positive, and then you maybe get something from wages, but cumulatively they're just not big enough to really move the needle, provided that the central banks do something about it. Yes, that's what I believe. All right. Um, that's clear. Thanks very much, Alan. We'll leave it there. Thank you. 
This content has been prepared by UBSAG, its subsidiaries, and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation, nor investment or professional advice. It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content and has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2022. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.